What's up, Cyber and Crypto family? Hope everybody's doing good on this Monday. Today is August the 26th of 2019. This is episode number 83 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. So today, there's some cool stuff that's been going around. So um, in cyber, we're going to talk about small businesses and what's happening with them as far as cyber attacks goes. We're also going to touch on the recent web admin flaws and also Fortinet VPN flaws that were uncovered. Also going to talk a little bit about a school that got some nice little ransomware. Also going to talk about a web host called Hostinger and what happened there. And then last but not least in cyber, we'll talk about the uh, Apple iOS latest update. Uh, Kind of sidebar topics. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, whether or not I think Black Hat and DEF CON are good as far as keeping everybody safe goes. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about that as well. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we'll talk about prices, of course. Also going to talk about a new exchange called CoinFlex and what's what who they're trying to take on there, basically. And also going to talk a little bit about the what they're calling a bear cross in the uh, Bitcoin charts. All right, so to kick things off here in cybersecurity, we've all seen this coming, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. If it's not already happened, But there's been some new reports out that more and more and more small businesses are being targeted now uh, by cyber criminals because they are a much easier target. And of course, that makes sense, right? Hackers want the easiest thing, you know, path of least resistance. And if they can get into a small business and still get some money out of the deal, it's totally worth it for them. So there's a whole lot of new threats Uh, essentially relating to small business specifically. And, uh, you know, it's the typical stuff, though. Phishing, low-level vulnerabilities just haven't been patched. Patch management's bad at these small businesses. You know, they can't afford to have, you know, sometimes they can't even afford to have a full-time IT person, let alone a full-time cybersecurity person. So kind of saw that one coming. Obviously, the big corporate folks, they got all the money to spend on it, and so they're pretty well defended. Uh, But all the small business, mom-and-pop shops, not so much. So it's unfortunate we're seeing a lot more attacks uh, on those. Uh, You can also look at, you know, all the the ransomware that went around in Texas. Uh, Those weren't really mom and pop shops, but it was all uh, little local governments and whatnot. So not exactly huge conglomerate companies that could afford all that. So same kind of thing happened there. All right. Some other news here about uh, yesterday or not yesterday. (laughs) Last episode, uh, I touched on the web admin vulnerability, and there's been a huge campaign by hackers, probably one of the biggest ones they've been seeing, apparently, that's going after that specific vulnerability. And again, that's related to the cPanel on Linux. Uh, If you get access to a a hosted server of some sort, typically they'll give you access through a cPanel, which has a web admin interface. And so uh, there's a pretty big vulnerability in that interface, and hackers have been very much taking advantage of that. Uh, I think I reported last week that there was 200 and some odd, some odd thousand of these things just sitting out there on the web that are uh, missing that patch. So quite a few there. The other
other one is Pulse Secure and Fortinet VPNs uh, have also had some pretty big vulnerabilities relating to them. So if you use any of those products, obviously you want to get some updates there. But so the Fortigate VPN or Fortinet VPN and Pulse Secure, those attacks are related to or the exploits they're using are related to a bunch of vulnerabilities that were uncovered at Black Hat. And so at Black Hat, there was a, a speaker and his topic was infiltrating corporate intranet like NSA. So he detailed out these vulnerabilities in the various VPN clients, specifically Fortigate and Pulse Secure. And so hackers are now, they've got a proof of concept code and they're now taking full advantage of that, which is huge to say the least. So if you use any of those, of course, get the patch. But aside from that, as with any kind of remote access, always set up two-factor on there. That would stop, even with this exploit, that would stop those hackers from getting in. Uh, you'd have to have that second factor. So that would even stop some of this stuff as well. So again, it's always good to have a second factor on a VPN, no matter what you do, or any kind of remote access whatsoever. Whether it's, you know, you're using LogMe or TeamViewer or any of that stuff, make sure it's got two-factor as well. If you have a third-party IT company that remotes into your systems, make sure that they're using two-factor to remote into your systems as well. That is probably one of the biggest weaknesses, I would say, as far as remote access goes. Not a lot of people put two-factor on it. Uh, it's obviously getting better, but I think people just assume that it's okay if you're using TeamViewer or, or LogMeIn, but it's still not okay. You're still accessing things remotely. And you need to keep that remote access secured as best as best you can and lock it down. So from here, I'm going to spin off into the kind of sidebar topic about all the various security conferences, Black Hat, DEF CON, all that kind of good stuff. We're now seeing all these articles that have come out since Black Hat and DEF CON. And there's tons of vulnerabilities that are being uncovered. And now we have uh, proof of concept exploit code out there in the wild. And they are actively exploiting a ton of the things that were uncovered at these security conferences. So here's the question. Are these conferences good for the security of the world? We could even narrow it down to the United States. Homeland security. is. Are these conferences good to keep our homeland secure? I, I don't have the answer, of course, but I wish I did. But seeing all these vulnerabilities that come out, and at least from what I understand, a lot of the vulnerabilities aren't disclosed to the vendors until uh, that presentation, basically. And then once they do their presentation, they can still obviously do the exploit that they wanted to show and present. Then they tell the vendor and say, hey, here's how I got in and here's what you need to patch. And then the vendor has to spend a couple weeks patching it. And the other kind of I don't know, I guess worrisome part there too is if, you know, if a researcher found this flaw in this Fortinet VPN, you know, nine months ago before the, nine months before the security conference, and they were just sitting on this massive vulnerability for nine months and hadn't reported it to anybody just because they wanted to show it off at, at Black Hat or DEF CON. So there's a lot of worrisome stuff that happens at those conferences as far as the vulnerabilities that get released and then the patching following that. I'm not real sure that it's the best thing in the world for uh, keeping the entire nation secured, uh, much less the world secured with all these vulnerabilities that they come out with. But what's the answer? I don't know. I mean, people like these conferences. And I totally get it, right? They're fun. You learned a lot of cool stuff. But if it's opening up the entire world to tons more of attacks and you're 
you're basically giving cyber criminals even more tools to use. How is that good? I don't know. Is there a way to fix it? <sighs> I haven't thought of one yet, but maybe there is, and I just don't know. But I'm going to continue brainstorming on that because it's certainly concerning. You know, if there's if there's anything that we can do to, I don't know, somehow disclose these vulnerabilities long beforehand, I guess that would be better. You know, that way when they're presenting it at, at DEF CON or Black Hat, the vulnerability has already been patched. That would be nice. Um, but will that happen? I don't know, unfortunately. But certainly very scary stuff there. And those Fortinet and uh, Web Admin and all that good stuff, those are just some recent vulnerabilities. There have been tons of others in the last, just the last three weeks. Uh, other vulnerabilities uncovered at, at DEF CON. So a lot of things to consider there. And a lot of, th- a lot of things that are very much worrisome as well. All right, some other news here. A, a school in Rockville Center, they're paying a $100,000 ransom because they got ransomware and they're using their cyber insurance to pay for that. Wow. And again, this is going back to the small businesses getting hit. This is a little school district and they're going to pay all this money to some hackers to decrypt all their stuff. And their deductible is 10 grand. So they pay 10 grand to basically pay all this thing off and and get their files unencrypted. Hopefully. (laughs) I guess that's the other trick there is how can you trust these guys that have locked your computer out? But we're seeing more and more of this actually paying the ransom. (laughs) And this just fuels the ransomware campaigns if people are actually paying for that. So I certainly don't like it, but as a small business, it, like I said, if you don't have the infrastructure to you know, secure things like you need to, if you don't have security professionals that are making sure everything is locked down as best it can be, you know, it's it's tough to stay secure and, and prevent this kind of stuff from happening. So ransomware threats are obviously still a big major thing and will continue to be. All right, another web host called Hostinger, they had a pretty big compromise through an API. So their central API server uh, was apparently compromised. The uh, hacker was uh, basically able to obtain an authorization token for that uh, internal API. And they were doing API calls and able to pull uh, customer information and personal information of about 14 million customers at Hostinger, which included usernames, IP addresses, first, last names, contact info, phone numbers, emails, home addresses, all that kind of good stuff. So the passwords in that uh, database were in a hashed format. So I guess that's good. Uh, Hostinger obviously came out and reset all the passwords. So that's good. But the fact that this happened through an API is also a little scary. I've I've said it in the past. APIs are often overlooked security threats. They're oftentimes left way too wide open. So if you use an API, if you have an API for anything, make sure you lock it down to only trusted communicators. So only allow a specific IP address to communicate with your API. Don't just leave it open to the internet. Let anybody communicate with it. Lock it down. Only trust specific IPs and and that way, this kind of stuff hopefully doesn't happen. But that is very interesting to see the amount of data they were get, able to get just through those API calls. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. It makes me wonder what system they were using that allows those API calls to be made and pull all this customer information. I don't I don't know a lot of systems that do that. Maybe it's some sort of web hosted or web hosting platform that they use that allows that. But wow. 
that's uh, certainly a crazy way to compromise stuff. You don't really see that all that often, although we do hear of, of API hacks, but getting this much information out of those hacks is not something you see very often at all. So lock down those APIs if you use them. If you don't use APIs and you somehow have got one, just don't even expose it to the internet. Try to keep it internal too if you can. Uh, if you just have to use an API, try to keep it internal um, or put it, you know, put the, the API calls and, and the transmission of those API calls in an encrypted tunnel. Put it in a VPN. You know, anything like that would help in this kind of situation. All right. Some other news here about Apple. Last episode, we talked about how Apple unpatched one of their other patches, <laughs> which allowed for jailbreaking of the iPhones. They've recently came right back out and they patched it. So sorry, folks, you can't do that jailbreak anymore uh, if you update that is so uh, another kind of side topic I wanted to touch on as well kind of a very personal one but I'll talk about it here because I think it's it could be helpful for a lot of people if you are gonna start a new job and they're gonna entice you with a sign-on bonus be very very careful with that because oftentimes if you don't stay there for you know let's say it's a year or two years or whatever, they're going to want that, that bonus money back. And so that can get really hairy if you leave or you start there, you get your bonus money, you go spend it on whatever, and then you leave six months later and they say, oh yeah, by the way, we need half of your bonus money back. That makes it real tough. Uh, I've personally learned that lesson and I personally will no longer accept any sort of sign-on bonuses. And I'm going to instead ask that they increase my salary instead of giving me a sign-on bonus that's that's my new plan moving forward at least so i'm, I'm not going to accept those anymore that's just it's too much of a hassle and especially if you left the company not because you really wanted to but just because it was crappy it wasn't what they told you it was and you feel like you just had to leave and then they say oh yeah by the way we need all of your sign-on bonus back you know it's just it just makes it a really really hairy situation so if you get one of those obviously it's up to you but if it was me if I if I got that offer again I would say no sign on bonus put it into my salary and just increase my salary plus if they increase your salary that's going to continue paying year after year whereas the one time bonus is just one time so increasing the salary has multiple benefits there too so anyway I thought that was uh, I hope that's helpful for somebody I thought it's been a you know for me it's been a very painful situation obviously I'm through it now but it's been quite painful but uh, anyway if I had to do it again I would certainly certainly do it way different all right on the crypto side of things not a whole lot of news related stuff today which is kind of surprising but um, there is one there's a new exchange called coinflex that's coming out and it's going to basically take aim at bitmex uh, bitmex is the futures trading exchange that i mentioned on the show several episodes ago and so coinflex is going to essentially do exactly what bitmex is doing and, and trade on those bitcoin futures and there's other sites doing it too, but uh, this is just another one that, that just recently came up. And apparently it's backed by a guy named Roger Ver, which I don't know who he is or what he does, but apparently he's a big crypto hotshot kind of guy. But CoinFlex is out there already. 
I mean, you can already go out there to their platform and, and start using it if you wanted to. So go check them out. I have not used it yet, but um, hey, if it's just like BitMEX, then obviously you got to be careful <laughs> about how much you put out there and make sure that you're guessing correctly. But uh, it can be a lot of fun if you do it right. All right, some other crypto stuff here. The Bitcoin prices. It was funny, right after the podcast last week, I uh, said so the Bitcoin prices were going back up and then they immediately tanked <laughs> right after that podcast. It was kind of crappy. As of right now, we're sitting at $10,245 for Bitcoin. Bitcoin Cash is at 307 Ethereum's at 186 And Ripple is still at 26 cents. Overall, just very much down. And a lot of the uh, traders today on Twitter, if you're out there watching Twitter, a lot of them said to uh, put in a huge short order right now because the market's going to drop. And I read another article which uh, basically indicated there's going to be what they call a bear cross. So in a bear market, everything is going down. In a bull market, it's going up. So when you see this bear cross in the charts, that means for sure the price is going down. That's why all the trading experts on Twitter today were selling, telling everybody to sell short, you know, hold a massive short position and, and wait for this thing to drop. So I highly, highly recommend if you've got any kind of Bitcoin to, you know, either switch it out to a more stable coin like a USDC or put in a short order, you know, get a huge short order and, and ride the wave and see if you can make some money on it too. But we saw the bull cross earlier this year and that's what brought everything kind of back up to where it is now. Uh, but now we're seeing the bear cross. So it's hopefully it doesn't go anywhere near down to where it was in February. February we're you know in the 3,000 range. I mean now we're up in the 10,000 range. So hopefully we don't get anywhere near uh, down to 3,000. Uh, most folks are speculating it's between 8,000 and 9,000. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with that over the next few weeks or so. But if it was me, I would switch all my stuff to a stable coin and wait for the market to uh, rebound. Or uh, once it goes low, then buy all your Bitcoin back. So cash it out now to a stable coin. And then as soon as the market uh, looks like it's coming back up, buy in again and then let it go up and make some money that way too. A lot of different ways you can make money on all these kinds of things. So you just got to make sure you do it very carefully and, and you know exactly what you're doing and what you're getting yourself into if it doesn't work. I'm by no means any kind of trading expert either. I just tinker around so I wouldn't necessarily take all my trading advice. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of a more, I would say, common sense kind of trader. But obviously there's a lot of things that I don't know, but I would like to learn. All right, folks. Well, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on this show. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk again soon.